today. Let's get started uh, this morning. Uh, we're going to turn, uh, if you have your Bible, if you have your glasses on, amen, whether they need to be far away glasses or close-up glasses, far-sighted or near-sighted or, or bifocal-sighted or transition-sighted or all that stuff. Or if you like me, I don't know if you know. What <laughs> or if you like me, I, I wear one contact in this left eye when I'm, when I, uh, Sunday mornings when I'm preaching or when I'm playing. So I can see Brother Wayne back there if he's making a rude face at me. And I can also, s then without the contact, I can see. Amen. Wow, that'll preach. God can do anything for you. You need him close by. Hallelujah. You need him in California. Surrounding your mom and dad, he's there too. I think they mentioned that in the Bible somewhere about he's everywhere. Imagine that. Number 6, 24. The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. And they shall put my name upon the children of Israel, and I will bless them. Amen. That is a command that uh, God gave to Moses. Now we're going to jump over in the New Testament, Matthew 5. And seeing the multitudes, he went out or went up into a mountain where he was set, and his disciples came unto him. And these should be familiar scriptures to some of us, new to some of us. Amen. And, uh, we need to, and some of us need to read more of this. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Aren't you glad he's a comforter? Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers. I'm going to speak a little bit more about that. But how many wants to be a peacemaker? All right. Amen. No, I'm, I'm serious. You, you, want, you want to be peaceful in the world, in the church, in your family, at work. You want to be Switzerland, if you will. You want to be the person that, that is calm and collect. Hmm. For they shall be called the children of God. Oh, I just said that earlier. Aren't you glad we are called the children of God? Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye which men shall revile you um, and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Been there, right? Mm-hmm. How many was there before they got the Holy Ghost? You said that to other people. About other people that were in church. Yep. Rejoice, verse 12 says, and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Why don't you, again, just shake someone's hand before you are seated.
Uh, due to uh, time restraints, I will, I will not finish all of these scriptures and go into that. And I did not plan on that either, so it's not like I, I, I plan on not doing all of them because I know we're limited on time here. However, God desires to pour out his blessings on those who recognize their need of him. Amen. Remember, I just said, don't let's not come in here thinking uh, God's not going to we don't know what God's going to do, but he's going to do great things. When we recognize that God, that God, we recognize that we need God, God can do things in our life. Jesus calls us to live as his disciples, peacemakers, right? We want to go out and be there. The life God blesses, the life of a disciple, the disciplines that come with that as well. The, and we have, been, we have been taught on discipline and disciple-making and being a disciple, and which is the importance of seeking first the kingdom, the importance of obedience. And we could call that, and we do call it kingdom living. The truths Jesus taught on this mount were crucial for the life and the spiritual health of every believer to live as children of the king. Uh, anybody know what rain is in southwest Florida? Rain can bring so much water that mud and flooding can occur. And we are way too familiar with flooding here in southwest Florida. With, every, with all the issues rain can bring, we still need rain. Even if we get caught in a storm and hate it, we still need it. The rain is a blessing for almost every living thing. The rain fills the canals and the lakes. The water, uh, the, the water that rain brings uh, waters the grass and the plants and other greenery. Think about a farmer's life. Rain barrels hold, it, hold drinking water for, uh, uh, and, and water for baths. The crops, the farm animals, even the fish depend on the rain. The rain benefits us, uh, benefits us in different ways depending on what is needed. But it is always a blessing. And you know what else is always a blessing? Life. The ups and the downs. The floods, the mud. Amen. And then just the wonderful spirit of God in our life. It's always a blessing because God loves to bless. But God, as we read earlier, has especially shown compassion on the pain, the weary, and the broken. When Jesus publicly began his ministry, he read from the book of Isaiah in 61. He said that in the synagogue and specifically mentioned his ministry was to the poor, the brokenhearted, the captives. You remember those verses? The blind, the bruised. These groups could be described as those who feel empty. A hole deep in their souls. See, Jesus knows us. Jesus loved these groups. Look at those crowds that followed him. There were prostitutes and tax collectors and, and common fishermen, leopards, blind, lame, and others that need healing, not only of their, in their physical body, but also in their mind. When mocked by the Pharisees why he hung around these people, Jesus answered, and maybe with just a little smile on his face, Brother Andy, he answered, it is um, in Luke 5, he said this in 31 and 32, that they that are whole do not need a doctor. They don't need one. But they that are sick, I came not to call the righteous but the sinners to 
repentance. Aren't you glad that one day, whether it's from a family member or a preacher or, or, or a prayer, amen, that God called you out of that life you were living in. Amen. And if you have not stepped completely out of that, God is still calling you. He wants you to repent. Matthew 5, uh, 3 through 11 is well known as the Beatitudes. It's his famous message known as the Sermon on a Mount. And I, I, will, I will give up a little bit of a secret here today. When I know you're not supposed to do that. But we, the lesson today in the Sunday school is, is closely similar to this. But God has been dealing with me about blessings for a while. And so I knew the lesson was on that. And I was like, you know, I, I want to shake it. I want to get something. I pray and pray. And God said, don't just teach on blessings still. And so that's what we're doing today. So when your kids come home today they might say something about blessings and you're like wow did brother pearl talk to you no they already knew being poor in spirit may sometimes be when we see ourselves as we truly are limitless limited i'm sorry uh helpless beings in need of god's grace we do not have hope when we trust in ourselves in our flesh we don't have hope. Once we realize this, then God is able to fill us with his spirit. Everybody say his spirit. And we become heirs of Christ and the people of his kingdom and children of him. Why his spirit? Well, his spirit is not just speaking in tongues. That's the evidence of the spirit. But that's not the spirit. I mentioned that life is a blessing. It is, but life can also be tough. We sometimes suffer. We sometimes mourn. Suffering, mourning often come with the death, death of a loved one or someone close. But, it, but a loss can result, uh, a loss can be anything and can result in mourning. Um, losing a job due to layoffs or a house to a fire or a storm can cause mourning. Parents can feel mourning when they, their last child leaves the house and their home is now silent. We also mourn when we realize how poor in spirit we are and how much our sin separates us from God. No matter the reason we mourn, we have the promise of God's comforter, God's comfort in the middle of it. And that, my friend, is the spirit. Jesus said he's the Holy Spirit. He's the comforter. When filled with God's spirit, we can be confident that the comforter lives within us and will provide comfort during times of mourning. Can I get a witness? Amen. I need it. We all need the Holy Ghost to comfort us in our empty times. Amen. I look around the church, and uh, I don't know your personal lives. I don't know where you're at. I know your church life. Amen. I don't know the struggles you're in, the mornings that you have been. I don't know the situations you have maybe lost a job, looking for a job, lost a loved one, lost a pet, lost someone in your life, lost the relationship, lost the connection that you used to have with a loved one. Amen. I don't know that, but I know that Jesus is the comforter. Not all emptiness is bad, though. To be meek is to be empty of pride. How many's fought with that? To be gentle and slow to anger is also to be 
uh, is to be empty of those things is to be meek. Meekness is not cowardice. All right. Remember those bumper stickers? Real men love Jesus. It's, it's true. Hopefully real women love Jesus, too. Real people love Jesus. Amen. It's not for the faint. But it's patience and long-suffering, and even in the face of persecution. Even if the whole world is against us, Brother Bruce, even if the whole world is against us, when we empty ourselves of, of, of all these things, these, these, uh, this pride, this uh, uh, torment, the, these things that are bothering us, anxiety and stuff, when we empty ourselves all of these, God's Spirit helps us be patient. Jesus promised we shall inherit the earth because God honors sincere and holy desires. He also promised to fill all people who hunger and thirst after righteousness. God's righteousness should keep us wanting more and more. And the beauty behind that is the more we desire, the more God will fill us. Kind of like the principle of the sow, sowing, right, and the reaping. I want to desire God more. I need to get things out of my life, a lot of things. I pray, when I pray before the Lord, God touch my mind, my personality, my attitude, my pride. I, I want to get rid of that because I can come across that way to people. And sometimes I don't know I'm coming across that way. God, help me be a witness and, and get my stinking spirit out of the way. Mine, my flesh, I should say. Keep my, my flesh out of the way. Keep my spirit there. I want, I want the Holy Ghost to be there all the time. It's easy to give the Lord the things we know we have. However, sometimes it's difficult to empty ourselves and trust God to be faithful and fill those empty spaces. I'm going to talk about giving up things in a little bit. When our spirits are rock bottom, we, uh, when we grieve for a lost loved one or struggle during our trials, we can know that God will enter our emptiness and fill us with his spirit. God loves to use empty vessels to perform his will. Amen. And I don't know how, how true this is. You guys can get me later. But an empty vessel might be a quiet vessel, too. If you, have, if you are, you ever talk to somebody like me, and I talk a lot, right? I talk to you, right? I, I talk like that. You say, shut up and let me, let me talk. Hopefully it never gets to that way, but. But man, sometimes when we're just uh, just barraging or, you know, berating, whatever you want to call it, just throwing up every complaint to God, he's like, will you finish and let me do something in your life? Sometimes when we're emptying things out, we don't we don't stop to let God fill us back in. And sometimes we, we do the same thing over and over again. We pray the same way over and over again. And God's saying, will you just wait for a second and let me feel you? Let me fill you up. Let me fill you. God loves to use empty vessels to perform his will. Yes, God is especially concerned for the empty, but his blessings are for all seasons of life. He is not just a very present help in trouble, but he also taketh pleasure, the Bible says, in them that fear him. God helps in good times just as he helps 
in bad times. His desire for us to seek him, not just to pray for our needs and to rejoice in our victories, but to actually seek his face. The longer we live faithfully for God, the more God's blessings seem to compound upon themselves and to continue to grow. Amen. I can testify of that. I have seen it many times in, in the lives that surround me. And we're not, I'm not oblivious of, of your blessings at all. I see your blessings. I know your blessings. Even, even the smile on your face when you come into church, I know you've been blessed that day. Just like you know my blessings. You know my smile. You know my frown. You know my attitude. You know that because we're family. We know we see each other a lot here. Philippians 4.19 says, and my God will, where's Sister Melody? My God, but my God, that's right. Ah, I, I got that wrong. Will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Always remember, you will be blessed according to him. What he has for you. What you need and what you desire are not always the same thing. What you need and not always what you desire. I desire a new Corvette. That's my dream car. Not only can I not afford one, I don't need one. I would love to have it, and thank God I think I'm over that uh, midlife part where I could have bought one and, and just put the whole family in debt and, and, and everything else, you know, and nobody has gifted me one yet, so I think I'm okay, and yes, I will buy another car one day, but it probably will not be a $80,000 Corvette if they're even that low yet, or they might even be more, because I'm a child of God. I'm not going to get some little, you know, just a little generic Corvette. Amen. I love your blessings. I look out in the parking lot, and when you get a new car, I love that. When you get a used new car, I love that. And when you're pulling in on that little little tin can junkyard thing, I love that. God has blessed you. Keep that car going, Lord. Keep it going. Especially you young people, keep paying, paying on that like it's a new car. Even if you paid it off, just keep paying. God's going to bless you on that. Amen. Be a good steward. Hallelujah. We just got from blessings to stewardship. We, we're going we're gonna to do that. I'm not saying we can't have nice things. Nice things are nice. We touch on the Sermon on the Mount and being empty, but Jesus also, also spoke about being full, full of mercy, full of purity, full of peace. I mentioned peacemakers. Being full of mercy has a self-fulfilling promise. When we give mercy, we will receive mercy. I mentioned that earlier about like sowing and reaping. Being pure in heart relates to sincerity and holiness, which results in seeing God. A pure heart does not mean we're perfect and never make, uh, and, and never make mistakes. I got hit of myself there. A pure, pure in heart means our heart is undivided. 
it's single, okay? Oh, Renee, you're the love of my life. That is a romantic thing. That's a husband and wife. That's a boyfriend and girlfriend. That's a fiance, all, right? All that. But God owns my heart. It's all his, okay? It's single. It's not divided. I was speaking to a man yesterday. I, I wasn't even going to bring him up, but in, in a long story short, he's one of those people this when you talk to somebody, you go, just let them talk. He was raised from the dead. He was 18 years old in heaven, he said. But I could tell he's not living for God right now. His tree did not have fruits on it. But he was explaining a bunch of stuff. He knew his Bible. He knew his book, and we were talking, and, and we were witnessing. I was witnessing to him. He was, he was witnessing to me, telling me all about his stuff. But I could tell his heart was divided. You got to be all the way in the pool. You got to get submerged. You got to go under. You can't just be, be, be living on the side of the pool, dangling your feet in. Amen. How many does that? And then I, 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 I try to just jump right in. I don't need to push right in the water. I did that out in California. My, you know, my, they live in California. My mom and dad have solar. They have a heated pool. I froze when I dived into that pool. <laughs> what are you guys doing? The jacuzzi is warm. I'm not in the jacuzzi. It was cold. A pure heart means our heart is undivided. That we're not living on a fence in our relationship with Jesus. When I was just a wee lad in California, my, uh, our German short-haired pointer dog treed our paper boy on a six-foot fence. We were all swimming in the pool, actually, and uh, the door opened up, and he ran in. Uh, he ran out the, because uh, the, the paper boy opened the fence door, and he treed him up on that. He was on top. But see, he didn't realize that there were two mean German shepherds on the other side. And they were mean. They weren't like the friendly kind. They were like police kind. You know that, ooh, I want to get a hold of you. He was literally on a fence, undecided what to do. He was up on a fence. The good news, unlike the paper boy, our decision should not be as complicated. We know what's on the other side of the fence. We know what's on this side of the fence. And once we lived there, once we probably lived on the other side of the fence, in fact, some of us might have been raised on the other side of the fence. Like a message I preached a long time ago or a while ago, at one time we all lived on the wrong side of Jericho. We weren't marching around Jericho. We were the inhabitants. Of Jericho your mama and your dad and your pastor and your brothers and your sisters marched and marched and marched to get you out of Jericho they didn't stop until the walls came down church we need to stop playing right stop toying with our past life we need to get back on the right side of the fence amen simply state it Pure in heart is living on the right side of the fence. Jesus spoke a special blessing over them that day, and the blessings haven't stopped. 
Yeah, it may get a little dicey now and then, stormy, but we have God's spirit and have the privilege of being called, as I mentioned earlier, the children of God. Being, being full of God's spirit has always been a sign of belonging to God. We already spoke about the comforter, but he also promised peace with the Holy Ghost. John 14, 27, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Remember back when you were on that fence, or maybe, maybe you are now. It's a scary feeling being on the fence. The confusion, being, the feeling of being torn from a familiar life. How many is witness to somebody, and they get that look in their eye, and what it is, it's, it's being fearful Brother Richard, I'll pick on you for a little bit. I know you you can handle it, right? But you're 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 witnessing to me. I'm out in the world, right? And you're telling me all the good things, but then my brain's going all the things I have to give up, all the things I'm familiar with, and I have to. And they get that you get. I get that look in my eyes, like, well, okay, yeah, maybe one day I'll go there, yeah. You know why? Because it's a scary thought. Living on that fence, just like my paper boy was up there, and he had things biting on one side, and he was treed by, which I think is a great dog, the German shorthead pointer on the other side. Yeah, those are, those are things that could, you know, could harm him, but you know, you get the, the opinion. These guys are living up there, and, and they don't even know they're on the fence until you get to witnessing to them, Right? And for those of you who have never experienced this kind of pain or anxiety or fear of leaving an addiction or a sinful way of life because that's all you've known, I'm going to tell you, it's tough. It's tough. You know, there's, there are people that throw tantrums nowadays and have anxiety meltdowns because their favorite coffee shop is out of their normal blonde vanilla latte. Or their cinnamon roll frappuccino. Yes, I had to look those up because I don't do those things. I've seen, and we've all seen the, the news reports, fast food places almost destroyed because somebody waited all day just in get in line at McDonald's or KFC or Popeye's to get that chicken biscuit, and they are all out. And they destroy the countertop. You've seen it. Throw things around, start having fights, screaming. Why? Because they expected something. They're familiar with their way of life. They're familiar with that. Even us, we get kind of a little upset when they don't have the right cheese for our elotes. Yeah, we were looking for that this week. It's like, what? Big super Walmart don't have, come on. So imagine, imagine if, if you were raised in the church, you still had to get the Holy Ghost. You had demons. You had, I mean, you had things that the spirit, right? You still had to do that, right? You had to do that. But th this was a familiar atmosphere, and you know that. Imagine somebody that's so familiar with sin. Now they have to struggle to get off that fence. That's where us as peacemakers come in to help calm their anxiety. Calm them down. 
Yeah, it's tough giving up a life you're so familiar with. It's tough letting go of a sinful way. But that is, it's tough without Jesus. In church, we need to become that peacemakers. We are called to help them down off the fence. And if you're on top of the fence right now, know that there's others in the place that used to live there. Actually, we used to thrive there. Some of you might have been 45, 50 years ago. Some of you might have been two years ago. Some of you might still be like, man, I, I, got, I got a finger still up on top of that fence. I need to let go of it. Sometimes we're living for God, and then all of a sudden we start touching the fence again. And we got to get over that. We're all susceptible to that kind of, uh, of, of, of temptations. It's a decision that was tough. It was a decision that a thousand prayers of loved ones and friends and pastors and, and bishops and, and ministers and, and spiritual brothers and sisters were praying, trying, trying to help us down. Know that this morning there are prayers pushing and pushing and seeking the throne of God to help you get closer to the right side of the fence. Church, never give up praying. Monday night, I spiritually and physically saw my kids toss one leg over the fence towards God. I, I, I saw that. Did we pray them through? No. Did we talk about God? Of course. Renee held them for five minutes thanking God. I have her on video. Our, our ring camera caught her praying for them for five minutes. She would not let go or more. They knew God was in that place right then. And whether they knew it or not, whether we reached up and pulled one of their legs across, but, I mean, we can't, help, we can't make them get down. But God is doing miracles. God is doing things. Why? Because the church has to be the peacemakers. We can't be the judgers. We can't judge them and, and ridicule and look down on them. All I know, they still need to jump down, but I'm not giving up. Who we are, whose we are, and the presence of the Holy Ghost within us is how we love and act in peace towards others. Let's get back. I know I'm, I'm, I might be a few minutes late, but let's get back. Do you understand that God's blessings are not given for the sake of blessing alone? God's blessings are designed to flow through us as well as unto us. Genesis 12, 2 says, I will bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. It wasn't just for Abraham, but for everyone Abraham would encounter. It's the same. Being full of mercy, peace, and purity are for blessing others as well as being blessed ourselves. What good is having mercy if we don't interact with others who need it? What the, what's the benefit of full of peace when we, not, we do not speak into the chaos of this world? What benefit? What good is being full of righteousness and purity if it does not give us power to be a witness in the world without these things? Remember, you are a witness. Whether you're behind this platform or up on this platform, behind this pulpit, on the keyboard, singing in a microphone, or playing an instrument, or preaching, or out there witnessing to co co co-workers I'm in the presence I'm in, you are a witness. You are a witness. How you react with these Beatitudes depends on how quick, well, it, it, how they receive. Not, I was going to say how quick they jump off the fence, but that's their, their decision. But 
they need to understand that you love them and that you are praying for them and that God can take care of their anxiety, their familiarity with the sin. He can take that away. Allow God to remind us that we are conduit of God's blessing and not storage bins. We need to let, let the blessings flow through us. 2 Corinthians 9, 7, every man according as he purpose in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. One of the greatest feelings is the ability to bless someone else with a humble spirit. Now, that's not a very humble statement to say if I'm talking about myself, but I see it. I see it. Yes, we all have. Yes, I have too. We have all given with a humble heart. That, that, is, that is, I see it. I love that. I love to see somebody be blessed. I love those anonymous ones too. You're like, I don't know. Somebody just gave me $300. Praise God. God is blessing you. But one of the toughest things is receiving a blessing when you are normally the blesser. Isn't that tough? I learned a valuable lesson when I moved down here 16 years ago. We lived in our in-laws' house, and we didn't pay rent because we had a mortgage up in up Minnesota, and, and, and my father-in-law knew that. And, he, and I, w I, was, I was being one of those guys because God taught me to bless. He didn't teach me to receive. He's like, you are a blessing to me, email. My father-in-law saying this. You are a blessing to me. I don't want to hear another word about it. Receive our blessings to you and live here rent-free. And some, I, I prayed. I got the Holy Ghost. I, got, I mean, I prayed. I was like, okay, I'm going to receive it. I'm going to receive it. What I'm saying is it takes God's spirit to give and to receive in faith, humbly. I cannot debate the fact that there are many out in the world who, who never go to church, but they give millions to the sick and the poor and the needy. I will not debate that at all. There are those out there. There are Bill Gates and, and um, all these other rich people, Bezos, all these people. But sometimes those, not all of them, but sometimes there is an alternative motive behind their giving. There's publicity, there's politics, and there's tax breaks. So there is that. I'm not saying all of them do that, but there is that. I cannot debate the fact that there are people who, that, who desperately need assistance, and most do. But there are also those who take advantage of the givers. And I will tell you something. In this situation, it's not the givers who will one day feel cheated. It's not. And I'll, um, excuse me, <clears throat> I'll tell you that God is a giver. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave. John 16, 7, but if I depart, I will send the comforter to you. He's going to give us the Holy Ghost. God also wants us to receive, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. God, um, God also receives as well. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto my heart, that where I am, there ye may be also. John 514, and this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he's going to receive, he's going to hear that. We do not have time to list the multiple way God gives and receives. Please know that we are a blessed people. God has poured out multiple blessings.
blessings to each of us. At different times, we will all experience emptiness and fullness, maybe even at the same time. You can stand. I'm going to bring this to an end here. In our church, there might be some who are in different seasons of each needing unique blessings. The good news, we serve a God that knows that. He knows if you need to receive something. He knows if you need to give something. He knows if you need to be blessed. He knows if you've been blessed too much. I'll say it again. I didn't even have it in my notes, but I always say that I want to be where God is blessing. I pray that now. I don't pray God bless me because he does. But I want to be where he is blessing. Is he blessing this morning? I, I believe he is. He is blessed. I want to be in the middle of your blessings, God, wherever that may be, at work, at church, at home, on vacation. I want to be there. To receive these blessings, we must together and individually acknowledge our need of his blessings. See, God's a gentleman. He's not going to bless you if you don't want it. He's not going to force you into a blessing. He is going to give you the desires of your heart. Just how that rain came in the storm and it left our home muddy, it still creates a beautiful meadow. It still creates a beautiful value, a valley, a canyon. The struggles we face daily are real. It is possible for a minister to speak at a funeral, which is grieving, officiate a wedding, celebrating, and then be mocked by a community and his neighbors all within the same week. There's seasons. God knows what's going on. It's also common for Christians to go through a season of mourning and seasons of celebration. The sad thing is that we didn't realize we were in the season of celebration until we enter the season of mourning. Understand when God is blessing you. If you are continually mourning, continually in that state, that mourning and mourning, you, what you're doing is, I said earlier, you are not allowing God to come in and fill you, to take away that. We need to, con we need to continually bless him, but also allow him to fill us. Jesus told a, a, a parable about a father and a son, a situation. He's like, these worldly fathers, they're not going to give a stone to their son instead of bread. They're not going to do this instead of giving him this when they thirst. How much more will our heavenly father bless us? He's in the blessing business. In order to receive these blessings, we must be willing to ask as well. God listens to those who cry out. Matthew 7, 7, 8, ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and it shall be opened to you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh shall be opened. Right after this, Jesus gave that encouraging message about, the, and we call it the golden rule. Matthew 7, 12. Therefore, all things, whatever you, that you would men should do to you, do you even so to them. For this is the law of the prophet. Peacemakers. 
blessing. Number 624. Only when we receive this revelation will we fulfill the command given to Abraham in which we are blessed to be a blessing. The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. And they shall put my name upon the children of Israel. I will bless them. Why don't we lift our hands as we begin to sing. Lord, I love you, Jesus. Thank you, mighty God. You are 